everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm here today with Ira David Wood III, who is the founder and executive director of Theatre in the Park, which happens to be North Carolina's largest community theatre with an international reputation. David is also best known and loved for annually portraying the miserly Ebenezer Scrooge in his own stage musical adaptation of the Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, which is getting ready to put on its 45th anniversary production this month. The show has been performed annually since 1974 and has been named one of the top 20 events in the Southeast, as well as one of the most successful shows in North Carolina theater history. David is not only back directing A Christmas Carol this year, but he'll also be alternating the role of Mr. Scrooge with his oldest son, Ira David Wood IV. Good afternoon, David. Good afternoon. Nice to be here. And uh, how's your day? My day is going well. We are getting ready to open and uh, very excited about the show this year. We have a wonderful company assembled, and we are just amazed that uh, after 45 years we're still going strong and having a lot of fun with the show as well. And so going back to the beginning, how did the idea of doing your own stage adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol come about? It actually began when I saw the Nutcracker Ballet when I was a student at School of the Arts back in the late 60s. I had never seen a ballet performance before, having come from Halifax County. And when I attended the production of The Nutcracker by the School of the Arts in Winston-Salem, and the curtain fell at the end, I couldn't get up out of my seat. I was just blown away by the magic of telling a story with music and dance. And I knew at that time that I wanted to be part of some kind of show like that during the holiday season that left people feeling the way I felt when I saw it. The next year, I wrote an original television show for uh, the local TV station in Winston-Salem called Christmas Is, and the title song in that television production is the song that opens our production of A Christmas Carol. Skip forward uh, to 1974, Theater in the Park was uh, doing a season of Shakespeare. We did Romeo and Juliet, Taming of the Shrew, and when we got to the Christmas season, a time in Raleigh when most of the theaters were closed, we decided that we wanted to put something on and keep our theater open because I figured that the holiday season was a time that families wanted to be together and to do things together. So since William Shakespeare hadn't penned a play about Christmas, we went to the second best English author and decided we would do a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. I wanted it to be a family show where entire families could come together. I wanted it to be a musical comedy rather than the traditional ghost story, kind of dark version. I wanted Scrooge to be funny. I thought he was even more accessible as a character and it would be easy for the audience to identify with him because there's a little bit of Scrooge in everybody during the holiday season. I wanted him to have a teddy bear in Act 2 because I wanted the kids to be able to identify with him. Then he was just a big baby afraid of the dark. I wanted Christmas Future to be a befuddled undertaker rather than the scary version that Dickens wrote about so that it wouldn't frighten the kids. So that's the way we approached it, and the rest, I guess, is history. 
Oh, yeah. And every year you always make updates to your scripts with different jokes and references that feel reflective to what's going on in the world at the moment. Yes, we do. I feel it's another way to keep the show fresh and also point up the fact that the message is still pertinent today. The heart and soul of this show is the story of redemption, that all of us can be better than we were. And I think that's a timeless message, and it never gets old. We wrap Mr. Dickens' work in a musical comedy format, although we do perform it in period style with beautiful costumes and a gorgeous set in the style of the period. I do think a few of the topical jokes kind of remind the audience that it is still relative and that the message is very real today, as real as it was when Dickens first wrote the book. Sometimes people say, you know, well, given the political climate of a particular year, this year included, they say, oh, well, we know you're going to have a smorgasbord to choose from. I have said, though, for the past four or five years, I said, I actually have pulled back and we have not done as many uh, political jokes as we possibly could have because my feeling is we have so much of that at home in our living rooms from the television sets that when people come out to see a Christmas show, I think it's great to kind of divorce ourselves from that. We do have a few jokes, of course. I think if we can get people today, particularly as divided as this country is, to laugh about a few of these political situations, then we've helped people kind of relax a bit. And I think that's certainly in order. And as I mentioned, your interpretation of A Christmas Carol has become such a enormous hit over the years. I guess, what has it been like for you getting to watch it become as successful as it became? It's a very humbling experience. It's wonderful to know that the show will outlive me. My oldest son, Ira, who does a fabulous job in the role, alternates performances with me, and it's wonderful. I was 27 when I started the show. I've reversed the numbers this year. I'm 72. <laughs> so I'm closer to the end of my run than the beginning. And I think, you know, in three or four years, Ira will take over the role entirely. I will still direct the show and help put it together, but it's time for him to take the reins. I said, I don't think the audience wants to see a 72-year-old man prancing around the stage in tights anymore, so it's time to pass the torch. And of course, your oldest son is going to be sharing the role of Scrooge with you this year. And this won't be his first time taking it on, as I remember that he ended up playing the character one year when you couldn't do it. Yes, that was uh, 2010, the year of my open heart surgery. When I found out the show had been blocked, which was great, and I knew I would go in for the surgery, so I was not worried at all. I knew Ira could step into the role. His sister, Evan Rachel Wood, came home and became his eyes and ears out in front of the curtain. They both just stepped in and took over. He did a masterful job. When I watched the show, it was a real out-of-body experience for me because he had the movements down. He had studied the videotapes of me doing the role. And he came out doing the costume and the wig and the makeup. And I was just floored. It was like I was seeing myself up on the stage. Of course, they let me have one brief moment in the show that year when 
Scrooge leaves his office for the day to go home on Christmas Eve. Ira came out on one side of the stage, and I came out on the other as myself, and we passed each other on the stage, paused long enough to turn and look at each other, and then I would walk off. And it was kind of a way to let the audience know that I had gotten through the surgery and I was okay. But the warm applause and the cheers when I would come on at night were gratifying. It made me feel really great to know that people cared. I think the greatest thing and after 44 years is that people come back to see the show like they're coming to visit an old friend. They like to see what we've added, what's new, what's fresh this year. And yet at the same time, they really love the old things that have just come down and have stayed in the show for 45 years. So I think it is like meeting an old friend and maybe the friend has a new hat or a new coat when you come back. But you know you're going to have a fun visit, you're going to laugh, and you're going to shed a few tears. But the main thing is when you leave the theater after the show, you're going to feel better for having been there. I believe my mom got to see the show the year after in 2011, and she definitely mentioned to me how there was a moment in the show where you and your son David really greeted each other, I guess thanking him for taking over the year before. Yes, yes. You know, to, to see your son grow up, and I've seen him do more than one role in the show. He did Tiny Tim when he was young. He's done the lamplighter, sort of the narrator of the show. He's even been Christmas Future. So he's really come up in the ranks. He knows what it's like to be on stage. And to have a director who has that kind of sensitivity is a wonderful gift, not only to the production as a whole, but certainly to the performers, because he knows how tough it is sometimes to get up there and perform it. It's really like playing a game of football. You know, I mean, when I used to have to do two shows a day, boy, that was, that was a real challenge, because in those days... You'd come in for that second show and you'd be putting on a damp costume that was still wet from the matinee performance. So it, it was it was tough. And that's why I'm so grateful to him for coming in now and taking over every other show for me because I get to watch, I get to put my feet up and rest and, and go back and, and, and I'm recharged. So it's a gift he gives to his dad every year and I'm, I'm so very grateful for that. In recent years, you've been lucky enough to have the production play not only at Raleigh Memorial Auditorium, but also at Durham Performing Arts Center. So I guess, what are the differences between performing the show at Raleigh Memorial Auditorium and at DPEC? Well, Memorial Auditorium in Raleigh is our traditional home, and it's where we started. We performed for three years at Theater in the Park, which only seated a little over 200 people. And we were doing 17 performances, and it occurred to me that we could move downtown to Memorial Auditorium and play to as many people in a weekend as we'd play to, you know, in, a, in 17 days. And Memorial Auditorium at that time sat mostly unused. It was primarily used for wrestling matches and college and high school graduations. When we went down to look at the auditorium, uh, the city manager couldn't find the key, so we actually cut the chains off the door with a pair of bolt cutters and walked in. Of course, the auditorium hadn't been renovated then. There were wooden seats and windows with curtains that were drawn over them to blot out the sunlight. But when I saw it, I just marveled. I said, well, my goodness, this is a theater. We should be using it. 
by taking Christmas Carol downtown, I think we did start a trend. I think the city fathers saw that this space could be utilized. It could bring people downtown during the holiday season. So I think, you know, it was easier to get the bond referendum passed to do the renovations that were so urgently needed. And then, of course, when DPAC came along, it sort of changed the whole balance in the Triangle area in terms of theater, because the Nederlanders, of course, all of their shows come into DPAC. DPAC gets the first choice of those incredible productions. It was a new facility. It has a hotel, uh, you know, connected to it, which is wonderful for the cast and crew of A Christmas Carol, because we can just walk off the stage, get on an elevator, and, and go to our rooms. So that's marvelous. We actually went into Memorial Auditorium in Raleigh and asked for a second weekend so that we could extend the run of the show, and we were turned down. They had no other holiday show, but they said, no, we, we don't want you for a second weekend. And they said, why don't you go into Durham and ask the Durham Performing Arts Center? So that's exactly what we did. We were the first big production in DPAC when it opened. We are filling the house over there now. So I guess, you know, Memorial's loss was DPAC's gain in that sense. They treat us beautifully. They give us an opening night party in Durham every year. They just go out of the way to make us feel welcome and at home. So there are positives about both venues. It just depends on which one you like to see the show in. That's the main thing. We want our audience to be able to come and enjoy the show in whichever venue they select. That's the important thing. And uh, over the years, Theater in the Park has had so many notable alumni that would go on to find great success in show business, such as Terrence Mann, Michael C. Hall, Frankie Muniz, and, of course, your daughter, Evan Rachel Wood. What's it like for you getting to see how successful each of those performers have become? Oh, that's the warmest feeling in the world. To see these young people come through the doors of any theater in our area, these are young people who many times are made to feel different and odd in a negative sort of way because they'd rather practice Shakespeare than football. Theater gives them a place to go where they're surrounded by other people who share their same love and passion, and that's vital. Helen Hayes once said, we lose some of our best talent early on because they can't stand up against their peers. They're beaten down because of the differences. So I think it's vital that these young people have a place where they can go and be surrounded by people who feel the way they do. And to see them leave that environment enriched, emboldened, educated, and go out and take that talent and do something with it on a bigger arena is certainly gratifying. But I tell you, too, just as important are those young people who come through the theater. Maybe they don't go out and they get a movie contract or HBO series, but they can stand up in front of a class or a business meeting and speak in public without being fearful or nervous or anxious. And that's a gift, too. So theater provides that to these talented young people. And I think every theater will attest to the fact that the young people in our area are the most talented people anywhere, bar none. We've produced some wonderful talent. I'm 
happy and humbled by the fact that Theater in the Park has been one of those theaters who has helped do that. So, in conclusion, why should audiences come see this year's production of A Christmas Carol? Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I think this year more than ever, we need to hear the message of the show. We are a country divided. We are a country screaming at each other about political differences. This is an angry country. And I think it's time for us to hearken back to some of these timeless messages that are contained in productions like A Christmas Carol. I think that's one of the important reasons. And the other is that the medicine doesn't have to taste bad to do good things for you. You can walk into a theater in a dark room with strangers, sit for a couple of hours, laugh and cry a bit, and walk out and be better people than you were when you walked in. Better able to celebrate the holidays because you've touched the true meaning of the holidays. So if you ask me, I think that's a good reason right there, that good theater transcends all of the barriers. Race, color, creed, nationality, lifestyles, politics, it buries them all. And we all, as Christmas present says, realize that we are one big family on a globe that grows smaller every day. And unless and until we realize that fact and treat each other like a brother or sister, we're, we're losing. And we need to come together and celebrate the fact that we are a family, that we have more similarities than differences. So if you ask me why we should come to see The Nutcracker, to see Cinderella, to see Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, to see the Alleluia Chorus, to see a symphony concert, that's my answer, is that you leave a better person than you were when you walked in. Uh, David, I thank you very much for devoting your time to this interview. It was great getting to talk to you. It was great talking to you, too. I hope you have a happy holiday. Uh, you, too. And for those who'd like to keep up with your career, where can they find you on the Internet? At theaterinthepark.com. We have a website for iTheater. A lot of news is there. Also on Facebook, a Christmas Carol has its own Facebook page, and we publish a lot of pictures of rehearsals and just wonderful stuff there about the show. So there are plenty of ways to find out what's going on. And my invitation to the public, those of you out there listening who would like to get involved in theater, there's not one theater in this area that will turn you down if you want to come and volunteer. So I urge people who would like to volunteer to contact the theater of their choice and to put their names down on the mailing list, on the email list, so that they can find out what's going on and be invited to come and participate. Because it's important to remember the gift is always to the giver. Be sure to catch Theater in the Park's 2019 production of A Christmas Carol, which will be playing at the Duke Energy Center for the Performing Arts from December 11th through 15th, and at the Durham Performing Arts Center from December 18th through 22nd. For more information, please visit www.theaterinthepark.com slash what's on slash Ira David Wood III's A Christmas Carol 2019. So thanks again for joining me today, David. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. Bye. Bye-bye. If you love this show, please leave us a review. 
Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at CareReviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.